1: good evening. You're listening to Scary Stories Told in the Dark. Welcome, dear listeners, to Season 10, Episode 7. I'm your host, Otis Gyrie, and in this episode, I'll be performing four tales to terrify you, courtesy of several delightfully devilish folks about creepy callers, perilous pitches, serious sicknesses, and luminous lunacy. You're listening to the standard edition of tonight's program, which contains the first two spine-tingling stories. If you'd like to show your support and enjoy an extended version of this and other episodes with twice the terror, visit simplyscarypodcast.com and click Patrons in the upper menu to sign up today. Thank you for your support. Now, it's time to take a walk together down the moonlit trail, so lock your Doors, turn your lights down low, and settle in. The show is about to begin. (laughs) Well, well, dear listeners, I have good news for you. We have ourselves a variety show today, and what better way to kick off our collected creeps than a subject I know all too well? the radio business. Imagine your first day on the air, a day you've both been dreading and anticipating for some time. You want to make a good impression to your listeners, but then one of your listeners turns out to make an impression on you. What to do in this situation? Well, maybe we'll find out. Our first tale... Brought to us by Gary Richards. And here's a hint. That's my writing pseudonym. Is a nasty little look into such a predicament. Without further ado, I present to you, Highway to Hell. It's 11.05 and you're listening to WSAH 101.1 FM. Wittenberg's classic rock for the discerning listener. Hope you all are doing great this evening. I'm Johnny Rocket here to guide you through the overnight. And since it's after 11, the powers that be say we're allowed to take requests. If you're so inclined, give me a call at 221-867-9724. Day one on the job, and the beginning of my radio career and my personal hell. A little backstory might be helpful here. Late night radio is not the most exciting broadcasting gig, but when you're just starting out and you're in Wittenberg, Wyoming, well, let's just say you make the best of it. On one hand, I was at least working at a station that played what I liked, classic 60s and 70s rock. The money was crap, and I was situated in the middle of nowhere working the graveyard shift. At least I didn't have to endure music I hated. Baby steps to a better career. No sooner had I said it was the beginning of requests, and the phone rang. Great. I'll have someone to talk to at least once this shift. WSAH, Wittenberg's classic rock, how can I help you? I said with as much cheer as I could muster at 11.02 p.m. And there was nothing on the other end of the line. WSAH, can I help you? Is there anyone there? Again, dead air. If you've ever worked in radio, dead air is just about the absolute worst thing you can encounter. I know longtime jocks who still get nightmares about dead air. By now, I was just about to hang up and mumbled to myself, "'I guess it's a bad phone line.'" And as I did, someone spoke up on the other end. In a voice that scared the utter crap out of me, the guy says, "'You the new guy, huh?' I startled a bit and replied, "'Yeah, yeah, yeah Johnny Rocket, would you like to make a request?' I missed your name. In a cold, menacing manner, he replies, I didn't say. If you think this was giving me the creeps, well, that'd be an understatement. Okay, I replied, uh, you have a song in mind? Another few silent seconds went by, and I was starting to get nervous. What the hell was with this guy? Then he piped up, Yeah, Highway to Hell, by ACDC. Ah, good choice. I'd like me some ACDC myself. Anyone you'd like to dedicate it to? Yeah, you can dedicate it to yourself. And then he hung up. After composing myself, I put the ACDC request on and grabbed a coffee. At this point, it would have been a lot more calming if I had a shot or two of scotch or something similar to help me get through the night. The rest of the shift was uneventful without anyone else calling in. So, at 5 a.m., my first night at WSAH was done with. As I packed up, I saw the morning crew come in. I mentioned it to them, the creepy phone request I got right off the top of my shift— When I did so, Bob and Jan, the morning crew, exchanged a look between themselves. To be honest, they looked a bit confused. Bob asked me, what number did you give out for the phone request? I replied cautiously, 221-867-9724. That's the request line for after 11 p.m., right? Jan looked at me with a smile and said, Johnny, we don't have a request line, and that number doesn't exist. Management must have been pulling your leg and pranking you with a request line after the 11 p.m. deal. At this point, I was getting really confused. Are you serious? Because I can tell you, in less than a minute after I said to call in for requests, I got a call. And with that, they both just shrugged their shoulders and went into the booth for their shift. I'd like to say things got better from then on, but I'd be lying if I said that. The next night, I settled in, said the how-do-you-do's on air, and in less than a minute, the phone rings again. When it did, I dropped my coffee onto the floor. What's going on? I didn't mention anything about the request line, but for the second night in a row I got a phone call on a supposedly non-existent phone line. I let it ring, afraid to answer, but it kept ringing for what seemed like forever before I cautiously answered. W-S-A-H? How can I help you? At the other end of the line, it was silent again. Then he answered. "'same guy as my first night. "'Johnny boy, you're starting to piss me off "'taking so long to answer the phone. "'Don't let it happen again.' "'Who are you, and how did you get this number?' I answered. "'After a couple seconds of silence, he replies,
0: "'It doesn't
1: matter who I am. "'You gave me the number on the air, remember? "'So, in future... If you know what's good for you, answer the damn phone when I call. As he spoke, I started to get the feeling I was the object of a very sick and scary stalker. I replied, But this number doesn't exist. This phone line doesn't exist. And, in a smug manner, he replies, And yet, here we are, Johnny. Be a good boy and play Highway to Hell for me. And then he hung up. The rest of the night went by without incident. No more phone calls. I was creeped out as I've ever been in my life. I'm trying to figure out if this is an initiation thing on the new guy or if this is seriously real. I decided to go see the station manager, Rick Ray, when my shift was over to get some kind of clarification on things if it's not a prank initiation thing I don't know what I'm going to do. This shift ends mercifully and the morning crew shows up to take over. They see I'm a bit out of sorts. Bob asks, "Hey man, you okay? You look like you just seen a ghost." I slowly turn to him and look at him and reply, No, I haven't seen a ghost, but I heard one again last night. Jan looks at me then asks, did you get another phone call? I looked at her and without saying anything, she knew the answer. That's not possible. The damn phone line doesn't exist. I'm now feeling really pissed off and tell her, well, let Mr. ACDC know that so he can stop calling, will you? If this is a prank by you guys, I'm really going to be pissed. And with that, I walked out of the booth and went directly to Rick Ray's office and waited for the station manager to arrive for the day. After a couple hours of sleeping on the lobby couch, Rick Ray shows up. He says hi as he walks by me, waking me up. How are the overnights going? Must be pretty boring, I had imagined. And with that, I reply, I need to talk to you about that. Can I talk with you in your office? Ray replies, look, you've only been here a couple of days. Way too soon to ask for a raise. You know, nights aren't the gravy train. More than a bit perturbed, I reply, it's not about that. It's about something a little more serious than that. Ray looks at me, then waves me into his office. Okay, so what's the crisis you've got going on that requires my attention? And I begin to fill him in on Mr. Highway to Hell and his nightly call on what I've been told is a non-existent phone line with a non-existent phone number. And I demand to know if this is a station prank on the new guy or something else entirely. Ray sits there, sizing me up. Then he speaks. Johnny, there's no request line installed at the booth. And to my knowledge, the phone number isn't a working number either. How the hell are you getting a call each night is beyond me? This isn't a prank on you. However, I have to tell you, no one else has ever had this problem before. But my first night, there was copy in the booth... To mention the request line for after 11 p.m. and the phone number. I gave it out on air, and a minute later I get this call. And the guy scares the bloody crap out of me. And it happened again last night, even though I didn't give out the number. Same caller. Ray sits there, thinking about how to reply. Eventually, he says, I'll get engineering to look into it today but I can guarantee you there is no working line and no number. With that, the meeting ends, and I leave Ray's office and head home for the day, not feeling any better about things. With two days behind me at my first radio gig, I'm already contemplating quitting and heading for another station and starting over again. On my drive home, I turn on WSAH on my car radio, and listen to the morning show with Bob and Jan. They're a pretty good morning crew. And I'm enjoying the show when, out of the blue, Bob pipes up and says, We just got a text in on the text line from an overnight listener who says he'd like to dedicate the next song to our new overnight guy, Johnny Rocket. If you're listening, Johnny, this one's for you. ACDC and Highway to Hell. I almost drive off the road. I am now officially terrified. And I made the decision to not return to WSAH. I just kept driving out of town and hopefully to some sense of sanity. The further away from Wittenberg, Wyoming I got, the better I felt. My nerves were finally starting to settle down after about 15 hours of driving. How's the old saying go? Happiness is seeing Wittenberg in your rearview mirror? It was right then my cell phone ran. I was expecting it to be someone from the station, wondering where the hell I was since I wasn't there for my shift. I grabbed the phone, and then I noticed the number on the phone. It was 221-867-9724 the non-existent phone number from the station. How is that possible? What the hell should I do? After a few seconds, I decide to answer the call. When I do, as always, there's silence for a few seconds. And then the voice that will hound me for the rest of my life. Johnny boy, you didn't think you could get rid of me that easy, did you? No way. Now, be a good boy and play me Highway to Hell by ACDC. I hope you enjoyed Highway to Hell as performed and written by yours truly. If you enjoyed that tale and would love to read more from me, tonight's very talented author... You can help support us by visiting simplyscarypodcast.com. Thanks again for your support of this program and of tonight's featured author. Still in all though, I hope our DJ finally got a little peace and quiet. Even local celebrities don't deserve to be chased to the ends of the earth by strange disembodied voices and their requests. Well, maybe one, but I won't tell who I'm thinking of. He knows who he is. Next up, it appears we didn't quite finish with last week's featured author. We have another tale of terror for our second entry from Jeff Provine. No, no schoolhouses here. Uh, What we do have is a homeowner and a determined salesman who just never learned the meaning of no. Of course, as you might have guessed, this sale is going to be anything but typical. Without further ado, I present to you Locked In.
0: Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot
1: Ted pulled his car off the paved road and onto the gravel driveway, where his worn tires grumbled. Yeah, yeah, I get the feeling. It had been a long sales day for them both. When Ted had started selling water purifiers, everyone was in a panic about lead. Or chromium six, or whatever was on the news that month. The office handed him leads by the stack. So many of those had been good that he'd got himself a boat. Now that people had moved on to the next thing to be scared about, his boat sat in some repo lot, and he was chasing leads out in the back-ass end of the woods. I stop for the day, one way or the other," Ted muttered. And then he shook his head. He looked at himself in the rearview mirror. Last up, first sale. You can do it, Teddy. Think about that commission. Catch up on rent, steak dinner, maybe a new set of tires. He flashed a grin in the mirror and winked. That's right, another 50,000 miles worth of commissions. Think what you can do with all that cash. Now his head was clear. The rumbling from the gravel suddenly sounded like applause. All it takes is getting him locked in. Ted pulled in front of a house, a big wooden two-story Tudor thing. The guy obviously had some money, maybe inherited. Inheritance was the best. They hadn't earned it, so they didn't know what to do with it. He took a closer look. The paint was chipping, the yard was cut short, but tall weeds stood along the tree line. Behind the house, a tin shed had its door hanging open with just a modest sedan inside. Some money, but not a lot. He rewrote his pitch while he shut off the car, grabbed his clipboard, and climbed out onto the stone porch. There was a no-soliciting sign hung on a nail above a pot of dried-out flowers. It made Ted smile. Politely placed, not large, Just the kind of guy who has a hard time telling people no. He knocked on the door and then pressed the doorbell. Double encouragement. Ted waited to the count of 22 and knocked again. This time he heard footsteps inside. The lacy curtain in the window beside the door flipped back. Ted smiled and gave a nod even though he couldn't exactly see who was looking out. It was too dark inside. All the window gave was a dusty reflection of himself. Snazzy tie, white button-up shirt, rolled at the sleeves to show he was a working man. Laminated badge for the company. The curtain closed again. Ted looked at the peephole in the door, keeping up his professional smile. Show the guy how tired you are. Lock in that emotional connection. He changed his weight from one foot to the other, hanging his head down a bit as he did the door open. Ted threw his head back and met the guy's gaze with his own. He was a squat guy, maybe five four if he stood up straight, heavy set. He had on a stained grey t shirt, plaid pajama bottoms and thick glasses. The guy's hair was greasy from generic shampoo, combed into a tight side part parents gave their kids for Christmas pictures. Hi, I'm Theodore Bridges from the Water Protection Services. "'Are you the homeowner here?' The guy stared at him. The lenses made the edges of his eyes warp like a magnifying glass. He finally nodded. Ted went on. "'We're doing water sampling in the area. Would you have a minute so we can see if your water quality is above safe levels?' "'Uh,' the guy stammered. "'Not really.' "'It only takes a minute,' Ted assured him. He checked his wristwatch, one he'd picked up to look expensive but not too expensive.' I could be out here by six twenty if everything goes smoothly. The guy sighed. Ted kept smiling at him. Okay, I guess. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Ted stepped inside, halfway to the sale. The house was dark inside. Dark wood floors extended up the walls in waist-high wainscoting, with only a few pictures hanging on the dingy wallpaper. There was a lamp on down the hall. and It smelled like a museum. He glanced around at the pictures hanging on the wall, trying to find something he could connect with Kevin on. Most of them were photos with Kevin in them, standing alongside some actor or another in front of a comic convention screen. Uh, what's your name, sir? Ted asked. Kevin. You're living out here all by yourself? The squad man shifted and grunted. I moved out here to get some quiet. I'm, I'm not much of a people person. Well, Kevin, I do want to thank you again for your time. It's unbelievable how many people have unsafe water and they don't even know it. Kevin gripped the collar of his T-shirt with a fist. Really? It's true, Ted assured him. Probably, internationally speaking. It's actually a good thing there's been so much press about it recently. Pipes get old, begin to break down, and who knows what ends up in our water. Kevin nodded. Yeah, yeah, I heard about that on the news. It's a lifesaver. You might be drinking the same thing your whole life, not knowing a thing about it until you end up at the doctor with cancer. Cancer? Kevin shrieked. Ted put a hand on his shoulder. Oh, sorry. I I didn't mean to scare you or anything. In fact, that's why I'm here. I just want everyone to be safe. Kevin nodded and even smiled with a curled lip. He had a gap in his teeth. Yeah, cool. Where's your kitchen, Kevin? That's usually the best place to start. The kitchen had white-painted cabinets and a checkered linoleum floor. It would have been the height of fashion a few decades back. The stove was that old, although the fridge was new, stainless steel. Ted pulled his bag testing kit from his pocket and tore off the perforated plastic top. Kevin ogled it. Ted could almost hear the lock clicking. He laid out the plastic valves carefully, waving a hand at each like a model on a game show, the same moves he used back when he sold knives. Then he took the big one labeled Your Water, tested, and pointed at the kitchen faucet. If I may? Kevin nodded. "Uh Uh-huh. Ted turned the faucet handle It squeaked a bit. He imagined all the potential filings that might peel off the edge of the valve and help land the sail. But he made his face serious. There. Ted set the water on the counter next to the rest of the kit. Now those bubbles. Nothing to worry about. That's just from your aerator in the faucet. That's right. You can trust me. Okay. Kevin moved close, looking down to put his eyes on level with the countertop. Ted picked up one of the droppers... "'What I have here is a binding substance. "'What it'll do is bring the minerals together "'so they can get a look at them.' "'Maybe I have mineral water in my faucet,' said Kevin, "'snorting a laugh. "'Ha!' Ted laughed along. "'Then he turned it into a sigh and shook his head. "'Although you wouldn't want it, really. "'Who knows what those minerals are doing to your plumbing, "'let alone to your body?' "'Kevin backed up from the counter several inches.' Okay, well, let's see. We might not have anything to worry about, anyway. Ted squirted the dropper into the water and gave it a stir with a plastic rod. Just as they always did, little specks began to show up. Kevin's mouth fell open. Ted grinned. What was it the fellow said? Science is knowing one thing more than the next guy. Magic is knowing two things more. So, I do have some. Mineral water? Kevin asked, his voice soft. Ted patted him on the shoulder. The guy's shirt was starchy. Well, I'm afraid so. But it might not be anything to worry about, health-wise. Let me try a couple of tests to see what we're dealing with exactly. Could be anything with what people are dumping into city drains these days. Kevin stood up and sniffed. But I'm on my own well. Wouldn't you know that? certainly should have guessed that, you being out here. Ted said quickly, that could be even more dangerous, you know. Kevin just squinted at him from behind his thick glasses. Here, Ted offered, holding out three new droppers. Why don't you squirt these yourselves? I'll divide what we've tested so far into three different tubes, and we'll see what we're dealing with. Kevin's stubby fingers took the droppers from him. Ted lined up the tubes on the counter "'and let him spray into each one. "'Now, ideally,' Ted said, "'slowing his words to time the reveal, "'we won't see any changes at all, but sometimes. "'Right on schedule, the water in the tubes changed. "'One vibrant red, one dark blue, and one piss yellow. "'Oh, wow,' Ted mumbled. "'What?' Kevin asked. "'Ted shook his head. It's just... all three of them. What? Kevin's voice cracked. Ted wondered if there were tears welling up behind those glasses. There are definitely minerals and chemicals in your water. He flipped open his clipboard and looked at the pre-generated charts. I'd say we're looking at chlorine levels of 3 to 4, hardness 6.1, and even some biologics just past the caution matrix. Kevin gulped. What's that mean? I don't know exactly myself. It means you aren't in immediate danger. But I'd warn uh, against running this water all the time. You can't always trust those safety standards set out by the government. But aren't you with the government? Like the water board or something? I'm with the Water Protection Services. We're here to help make sure that your water is safe. Kevin glared. His lip curled up again, not smiling this time. "'I'm sorry if there's a miscommunication.' "'Ted hold him fast. "'He held up his badge and then pointed at the colored water. "'I just want to help you with your water, and it's a good thing I did. "'Look at those tests.' "'Kevin looked at both and then backed at him. "'Maybe you should go. "'I need to get back to my computer anyway, my auction.' "'I couldn't leave in good faith without offering you some options.' Ted told him. He pulled the folder of brochures from the back of his clipboard and stuffed it into Kevin's hands. Kevin unfolded it. Ted launched into his pitch. So, with your own well, how much do you spend on filters and treatment chemicals monthly? Oh, gosh, uh, I'd have to check my budget. Said like a man who knows exactly. We could probably save your money on those alone. Would you say $30? $60? Probably. I could get you a full filtration system for less than 20 a month. Kevin sniffed and held his face close to the papers. He then shook his head and looked up. Can this wait until after my auction? Self-motivated. Ted's smile widened to a grin. We'll only be a minute, really. Is your water safety a priority? Kevin scratched his head, mussing the plank of hair into a new angle. I guess. Besides, since we work at a national level, we can buy from our suppliers in bulk and pass the savings on to you. Where do you typically get your filters from? Ted hit all the beats. It's not just about saving you money, it's an investment in your lifestyle. Hard water damage costs the avid consumer potentially $800 each year. With maintenance decreased... You'll have more time to spend with loved ones. Kevin listened, shuffled through the papers, and leaned on the counter. He tried to go sit at the table at one point, but Ted kept him close to the colorful tubes of what had once been his water. I gotta go. Kevin would mumble every few minutes. absolutely, Ted would agree. Let's see which model is right for you. With your lifestyle, would you rather finance or save with upfront purchasing? The guy was ready to crack. Ted just knew it. Gotta keep him locked in. Somewhere in the depths of the dark house, a grandfather clock rang out its haunting song. Then it chimed one. Kevin dropped the blue folder, sending pages with smiling people holding glasses of water all over the kitchen floor. Oh, crap! Before Ted could say anything, Kevin tore out of the room, throwing one stomping foot ahead of the other. The thuds went far into the house and then upstairs. Ted took in a breath of the musty house. He knelt down to pick up the pages. That's all right. When he comes back, we just hook him again. You've got this. A screech that sounded like it came from an animal ripped through the air. Ted's skin prickled. He slowly stood up from the floor, leaning to get a better look through the door to the hallway. Kevin! Everything okay? Horrible grunts came from the hall, then thuds of furniture being overturned. Crut was all Ted could say. He looked at the papers. Maybe I should just go. He shook his head. He'd made this headway with a customer. All he had to do was seal the deal. It might take longer now, but the commission would be worth it. Kevin let out a shrieking laugh upstairs. See? Probably one whatever it was, anyway. Ted put all of the papers back in the brochure when Kevin appeared at the kitchen door. Ted actually jumped. He placed a hand over his pounding heart. Oh, hey, sorry, uh, I didn't hear you come down the stairs. Kevin had his lips pressed tightly together. He snorted through his nose. His hands were behind his back. "'So let's get back to this,' Ted said, trying to smile. "'We could go with the standard model to save you some money, "'but if you ever plan on...' "'You made me miss my bid,' Kevin mumbled. Oh. "'Ted rolled his head to the side and grimaced. "'I'm sorry. "'Maybe we could get your payment figured out and then we...' "'You!' Kevin screamed. "'Ted bumped into the kitchen counter. "'Made me miss my bid!' Kevin panted for air. Uh, "'I said I was sorry,' Ted told him. Kevin's voice came calmly. "'You made me miss my bid.' "'Maybe I can make it up to you. "'We have partners with a lot of great companies "'for coupons on things you already use.' Kevin shook his head. He took his hand from behind his back "'and raised a revolver to arm's length. "'Ted gasped through his nose. "'He threw up his hands.' No, Kevin, easy. You made me miss my bid. Do you know how long I'd been waiting on that? No, you don't. You don't care about anything but stupid water. Now I'm going to make you miss something. Kevin, you don't want to do anything like that. Oh, I do. Kevin's eyes were wide behind the glasses. You made me stand here. My feet hurt. But you wouldn't let me sit down. You lied to me. I never lied to you, Kevin. I just wanted to help you with your... Shut up! Kevin waved the gun toward the front of the house. Go! Ted nodded slowly. He realized he was holding his hands up. Okay, I'll go. I'm sorry things happen like this. He left his test kit on the counter and the folder on the table. He thought about going for his clipboard. No, don't. Just get out of here as fast as you can. Ted walked sideways out of the kitchen. Kevin sniffed and kept waving the gun. He kept his eyes on Kevin's thick glasses. Listen, I am sorry. Shut up! Ted backed his way down the dark hall. The Photographs of Kevin all leered at him with their wrinkled smiles. The real Kevin only glared, his lips drooping. Ted's hips bumped into the front door, He choked out a laugh and fumbled for the knob to open it. All right, here here we go. Kevin sniffed again. Ted's hands were sweaty. The brass knob wouldn't turn right. Kevin growled. He changed his grip, putting both hands on the revolver. No, no, don't. I'm sorry, Ted stammered. Finally, the knob moved. The door swung free and Ted ducked behind it. He slammed it shut behind him. Go, move, he said to himself. His shoes slid as he scampered across the stone porch. He fell flat and rolled down the stairs. Oh, no, you don't, he heard Kevin yell. Then he heard the gunshot. It was a pop, loud, but not as loud as Ted thought it would be. He wondered if he had made a mistake. Maybe Kevin never would have shot at him if he'd just walked to the car and not made a break for it now he was on his feet, running across the tangled grass and gravel. There was another pop, something heavy, slammed into Ted's arm. It pushed him to the ground. Then his arm felt like it was on fire. At first, Ted didn't know what to think, but when he touched it and pulled black blood on his fingers, it was obvious. He'd never been shot before. The world around his hands spun around, blurring like a melted painting. On the porch. Kevin cackled. Ted squeezed his eyes shut and groaned. He was gasping for air. Slow down. Get a grip. He pushed his mouth closed and pulled in three deep breaths through his nose. When he opened his eyes again, the world wasn't spinning anymore. Kevin stood on the porch, gun still in his hand. You can't do this, Kevin, Ted called at him. People are going to hear you out here people just think. This one's hunting. Ted winced. I'll go. I'll go. Just let me. Kevin came down the stairs, sticking out his thick left leg to step down before drawing his right leg in, then repeating with the next step. Oh, you're not going anywhere. Not for a while. Please, Kevin. No, no, no. Kevin said, waving the gun at him as he trudged closer. Get up! Ted tried to say something, anything, but his throat was stuck. Get up, moron! Kevin shouted. He stuck the gun straight at Ted's face. Ted took several quick breaths and then rolled over on his stomach. His arm felt like he jammed it against the stove. He pushed up with his good arm onto his knees. You're going to learn your lesson. Kevin told him, you're going to be thinking. Oh, I need to go to a hospital. His voice was sing-song. Then, but you can't. Not until I give you permission. Kevin, just let me go. No! Kevin shouted. He moved the gun into one hand and pointed with the other toward the tin shed. Now move. Ted climbed to his feet. His vision went dark for a moment, and his ears buzzed. He took in another deep breath and waited until he could see clearly again. Something shoved his hip. Hold it. He looked back over his shoulder. It was Kevin's hand digging out his cell phone. Ted gritted his teeth and shuffled forward. The grass felt slippery under his shoes. His knees were loose. The world shifted again, with the shed falling backward until it looked like it was a half mile away. Then it came back and he could lean against the warm tin door. It felt good on his head. Open it, Kevin told him. Ted looked at the big latch next to him. He grabbed it and pulled, straining to make it budge. The door rolled on a rough track. He was sweating and panting just to crack it open wide enough for a person to slip through. Inside! Ted started to shake. Tears blurred his vision this time. Please, not like this. Go! Go! The shed was even darker and mustier than the house. An old Mustang sat beside a workbench strewn with tools, some new, some decades old. On the other side was a metal door built into the ground. Kevin grunted behind him, and the door squealed as he pushed it open further. All right, get in the shelter. Ted took a step forward and then stopped. What? The storm shelter, stupid. A sliding door there, slide it open. Ted dropped to his knees on the concrete floor of the shed beside the door. A small hook held the door in place. When he unhooked it, the door moved freely under his palm. It opened to an artificial cave, black as night inside. He could see the first three metal steps, but everything beyond it was darkness. Don't worry, there's no stakes, Kevin said. He snorted out a laugh again. Ted looked up at him. Kevin wrinkled his nose, shoving his thick glasses upward. The revolver clicked in his hand. Get in there! Ted nodded and crawled down the steps. It was cool inside. He liked the hard, smooth metal against his hands. The meager light shifted, throwing Kevin's round shadow. Now you'll see what it's like to have to sit and wait on somebody for no reason. The door rolled shut, and everything was in black shadow. Reality settled in. Ted sucked in a gasp of the metallic air. "Uh, Wait, no, don't! Kevin just grunted. Ted could hear a chain rattling. Then the door rattled. Then came a final clunk. And everything went still. Ted crawled back up the metal steps. He yanked on the door with his good arm. Don't bother trying. Kevin's voice was muffled. I'll be back for you when I feel like it. The shed door whined and groaned. Then Ted's breathing was all there was. He sat there for a moment, just breathing. He touched the spot on his upper arm where he'd been shot. The pain from his fingers was sharp at the top, like a blister. You have to do something about it. With his good hand, he pulled the laminated badge over his head. It clattered somewhere on the metal floor below. Then he unbuttoned his shirt one button at a time. His fingers were slippery. Ted didn't know whether it was from sweat or blood from touching his arm before. He tried not to think about it. All he focused on was getting his shirt off. Once the buttons were done, he rolled his good shoulder, slipping that arm free. Then he rolled the shirt around to his right side. He gritted his teeth and pulled. Hot pain... "'ripped up his shoulder and down to his pulsating fingertips below. "'Finally it slipped free. "'No!' "'Ted felt for it in the dark. "'Had it fallen on the ground? "'Who know what would be on it? "'No, here it was, on your lap.' "'Ted unclasped his belt and wriggled it free. "'Biting the belt, he wound up his shirt "'into as rough a bandage as he could. "'Then he wanted to feel around in the shelter.' Maybe there was a flashlight or even a real first aid kit. But what about black widows? Brown recluses? He didn't want a bite from who knows what on top of all this. So he sat. He waited. He listened to himself breathe. He tightened the belt on his arm every few breaths. The stabs of pain were duller each time he did. Ted wondered if he'd fallen asleep at some point could not really tell when his eyes were opened or closed. Memories flickered through his head, or were they dreams? His apartment would be sitting empty all night. He doubted anyone would even notice. He mapped the quickest way to the hospital once he was back in his car. Did Kevin do anything to it? Maybe that was the fat sucks plan. Cut the brakes so that when Ted sped out of here... He'd go careening into a tree and the whole thing would look like a traffic accident. The shed door whined and brownish light slid into the corners of the shelter. Ted sat up, he heard sniffling, gasping, coughing. Was Kevin crying? Kevin, he called. Oh, man, man. Kevin's muffled voice floated down. I screwed up. I really screwed up. Ted climbed up the metal stairs to the edge of the sliding door. Kevin, let me out. I can't. Yes, you can, Kevin. Come on. No, no, no. I screwed up big time. We can make this work, Kevin. Kevin, just let me out and we'll figure it all out. I could just walk away. I shot you. I shot you. It's okay. I'll be okay, Kevin. Just let me out and I'll go to the doctor. Kevin let out a long wail. You'll tell them I shot you. I won't tell anybody, I promise, Kevin. But you'll have to at the hospital. I'll say I was goofing around with some buddies. It's fine. Just let me out, Kevin. I can't. Yes, you can. Kevin groaned. I moved out here so people would stop bothering me. But still, you bothered me. Why did you have to bother me? I'm sorry, Kevin. I'll never bother you again. Just let me out. I'll drive away and you'll never see me again. You'll call the cops. I won't call the cops, Kevin. I won't tell anybody, please. Kevin whimpered something too soft to hear through the door. Ted knocked on the door with his good arm. Seriously, Kevin. I promise. Anything you want. There's only one thing. Name it, Kevin. We can make this work. I'm going to start the car. Ted blinked. Car? My car? Why are you starting the car, Kevin? You don't need to. It's all I can think of. You don't have to think of anything. Just let me out. I'll handle everything. he will put me in prison. I don't want to go to prison. I told you I won't tell anyone. Ted knocked again on the door. Please, Kevin, hurry up. I think something crawled on my leg. It doesn't matter anymore. Sure it does, Kevin. Hurry, open this thing up. No, you'll get out. You have to let me out, Kevin. Do it. It's the right thing. The only thing now is to start the car. But I have to close the door first. The shed door squealed on its rollers and slammed with a thud. Ted's eyes pulled so wide they heard. Running the car inside the shed would fill it with exhaust. He scratched at the corners of the shelter. Don't do that, Kevin. You can't start the car with the door closed. I have to, he said with a grunt. I screwed up so bad, this is the only way to fix it. Killing us won't fix anything. It'll make it stop. All I wanted was to bid on Amazing Spider-Man number two. You know how rare that one is? It almost never comes up. But you had to ring the doorbell, and I missed it. And I got mad. I screwed it up. Ted started panting. It's okay, Kevin. I forgive you. I won't tell anybody. It's my fault. Just let me out and I'll fix it. Kevin didn't say anything. You hear me, Kevin? I can fix it. Ted waited a beat. Hey, Kevin, seriously. It's not bad. Even Just a scratch. I'm fine. And soon everything will be okay. Then he heard the car door open. I'll make it okay. Kevin mumbled. No, Kevin, Ted screamed. Let me out first, Kevin. The Mustang started with a hum, then a roar. The engine revved a few times while Kevin played with the accelerator. Kevin! Ted screamed. The engine revved again. He Pounded against the door. Don't do this, Kevin. Stop it. I'm locked in. The engine growled. Ted screamed and pounded, but soon he couldn't even hear himself over the Mustang. The air started to feel thick. Ted stopped to breathe. Maybe it's the exertion. Maybe there's enough gaps in the shed that the monoxide will get out. Maybe the shelter's tight enough it won't get in here. He couldn't keep lying to himself. Ted started pounding on the door again. Kevin! Open this door, Kevin! I'll do anything you want, just let me out! Only the droning rumble of the engine replied, going on without stopping, no matter what Ted said. I hope you enjoyed Locked In by Jeff Provine, as performed by yours truly. If you enjoyed that tale and would love to read more from tonight's very talented feature author, you can help support him by visiting slash provine. That's slash P R O V I N E. And yes, you can still find his work in several collections, including the Chilling Tales for Dark Knights Anthology, Volume One. If you do decide to stop by the profile, please leave Jeff a kind word and let him know you heard about him here on this show and that me, Otis Jiry, sent you. It would mean a lot to me. Thanks again for your support of this program and of tonight's featured author. Now, before we go, I'd also like to take a moment to thank you personally for joining me for this episode of Scary Stories Told in the Dark. If you enjoyed what you've heard on today's program, please take a moment to stop by our iTunes page or wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts, and our other quality storytelling programs. Or become a patron for as little as $5 per month and get access to our entire audio archive dating back to 2012, all of it ad-free. If you happen to use Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube, you can follow and subscribe to Chilling Tales for Dark Nights there, where you'll get all of our latest updates and new releases and have the chance to interact with us each and every week. You can subscribe to me on YouTube as well, at the Otis Jiry channel, where you'll find releases of my series, Horror Storytime, dating back to 2014. And you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, too. Just search for Otis Jiry. Until next week, stay spooky and get some sleep, if you can. <laughs> Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Scary Stories Told in the Dark, a production of Chilling Entertainment and the creative team at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights, and a proud member of the Simply Scary Podcasts Network. Visit simplyscarypodcast.com today to learn more about our network and our other amazing storytelling programs. Tonight's program was hosted and its featured stories performed by yours truly, Otis Jiry. Selected stories have been adapted with the kind permission of their respective authors. Original music provided by Luke Hodgkinson and Jesse Cornett. Sound design and final mixing and mastering provided by executive producer and director Craig Groshek. Program's artwork and logo by David Romero. If you're looking for some fresh tales on a daily basis while waiting for the next podcast, check out my YouTube channel, the Otis Javi channel, and my extensive collection of narrated tales there. Simply search on YouTube by my name and you'll find me. And don't forget to subscribe and press the bell notification icon to get my latest releases. Got a scary tale of your own that you'd like performed? I take submissions. Email it to me today at Otis at simplyscarypodcast.com to have your terrifying tome considered for production in a future episode of this show. That's O-T-I-S at simplyscarypodcast.com If you've enjoyed what you heard on tonight's program and are joining us on your favorite podcast app, subscribe to us to be sure you never miss an episode and leave a five-star review in a comment. Your feedback means a lot to me. You can also follow Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and yours truly on Facebook to connect anytime and get the latest updates on this and other programs and my channel. If you're listening on the Chilling Tales for Dark Nights YouTube channel, do us a favor and hit the subscribe button and the bell notification icon for CTFDN as well to get more spooky tales from me and the crew and another episode of this program each and every Wednesday. And don't forget to hit that thumbs-up button to tell us how we're doing and leave a kind word or a request. And don't forget to visit us at ChillingTalesForDarkNights.com and consider supporting the team by becoming a patron. In addition to helping us out, you'll get exclusive access to our audio archive and ad free downloads of all your favorite stories, including those you've heard on this program. As for me, I'll be back next Wednesday with more terrifying tales to keep you up all night. But that's all right. Who needs sleep anyway?
0: (laughs) Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs,